there are times where we just let ourselves justify sitting and doing nothing, right? And there are times where we say, hey, it's gonna be a pretty tough road, or what if this happens, or I don't wanna do this. And you were kind of in that, you, you know, at that crosswords, and most people, Tess, don't, don't make it past that, frankly. Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm really excited about our episode today because I get to talk to an amazing person in getting into the short-term rental game. And we lo- I love talking about journeys into short-term rentals with some really fun people. So Tess Besant is joining us. And Tess, I appreciate it. We're going to have a fun conversation about all things leading you into short-term rental world. So thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Happy to be here, Sean. Awesome. Awesome. Likewise. And so it's uh, it, it's going to be a fun conversation. I was telling Tess before we hit record, you guys that listen to this podcast, you know that these are just really good conversations, really honest. Um, we talk about there's nothing that is off the table. And I love when I always ask before I hit record, I say, is there anything you do or don't want to talk about? And I love when Tess answered me and she said, nope, I'm an open book. We can talk about anything because we do like to talk about the ups and the downs so we can all learn from them. Right. And that's the that's the whole goal of this. And then, you know, it's always nice to hear from some Somebody that's a few steps ahead of you in the game. And so, Tess, let's start with where you're from. Where, where are you guys like what? Like, tell us a little bit about the family situation, where you're from, and then kind of what led you into getting interested in the short term rental world in the first place. Absolutely. So I'm sitting here in Las Vegas, Nevada. So um, I'm here with my husband and my two children. I've got a two and a half year old boy and five year old girl. So they're uh, they're my staying priority. busy, staying busy, staying busy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, loving being involved in real estate. So kind of just a quick snapshot. I have been investing for a little bit over two years now. Um, I have a background in beverage sales. That's what brought me here to Vegas. So I worked in big casinos. Um, but you know, after my second was born, I, uh, it it was time for a change. I I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, but you know, you begin to like (laughs) redefine your priorities, right. And gaining some time freedom back was of utmost importance to me. So I made the shift into real estate investing and I, uh, I, I started with flipping and long-term rent rentals uh, through the okay. Burr method. So I was, you know, buying those good old distressed properties, rehabbing them, refinancing them, and then um, finding the right tenants. Nice. And were you keeping them long-term when you put the tenants in or were you going to resell them? Uh, well, it it really depended on the property, right? There were right. certain properties that we would buy with the intention to sell as flips, um, but then there were other properties that we bought with the intention to to rent. And I will say, there were properties we bought with the intention to flip that ended up becoming being a rent, <laughs> being a rental. Yeah. Yes, I have yeah. a few of those as well. So. Right, and that was two years ago. You got into that and started doing that. Correct. That was about two years okay. ago. It was, you know, a total 180 shift from what I was doing. Yeah. I dove in, um, you know, had had some mentors, right, that helped me along the way and some guidance. And I dove in like I was all in, Sean. I yeah. mean, in, in the first year. That's a surprise to me. That's weird. After knowing you for a little while that you actually dove all in like, the, you know, I, I say that jokingly, those of you who can't see my face uh, listening, but it was, yeah, that, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I should say. Yeah. So I, you know, and I did the wholesaling, you know, all the things that you do as a beginning real estate investor and it was a lot of fun. Right. And you know, what I like to say about my journey in real estate investing is it taught me 
what I enjoy, right? And it taught me what, you know, I, I really didn't want to do any more of, you know? Right. Um, I've loved every part of the journey. I would not rewrite any of my real estate investing journey. Love it. Um, that said, you know, as I began to really hone in on certain, you know, asset classes and uh, strategies, right? It's really what guided me here to short-term rental investing. Um, you know, I, I've been in hospitality my whole life in one way, shape, or another, um, yeah. whether it was in, you know, my event planning uh, career or my sales career. And I, I missed, I missed really that hospitality and host like aspect of business, right? And I wasn't getting that in flipping and my long-term rentals. And when I really started to, you know, understand what the short-term rental space was all about, I was like, why aren't I there? Like, why aren't I focused there? You know, like this is where like my heart is most happy. I love traveling with my family and we stay in Airbnbs when, when we travel. So yeah. all the pieces just started to line up and, you know, while I haven't turned a blind eye to the other strategies, right, my focus has really pivoted to short term rentals moving forward. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of times the journey begins with other real estate assets, right? And, and different avenues in real estate. And one of the most important decisions is really navigating your way to decide on what passive income vehicle is going to be the right fit for you, right? Because Every asset class has pros and cons. There's a lot of, there's a, like you said, I wouldn't trade any of the, any, I wouldn't have changed any of the journey, even though I might not be wanting to do some of that because you learn a lot, right? You learn what you like, you learn what you don't like. You can make some money along the way while you're doing it. And there's a lot that can be said about being able to like look into other assets and really experience them to decide, is this really what I want to do or not? Because short-term rentals aren't for everybody, right? I always say that. I love them, right? They check a lot of boxes off for me. You're finding that, like you said, that's where your heart is most happy, like is in this world and being able to combine a lot of the benefits of investing in real estate, but to combine the, your love of hospitality and those types of things into the short-term rental game. So you started to say, okay, maybe this is an asset class that I like to look into. Was it, you mentioned you had other mentors. Was it some that, did you meet somebody along the way that was succeeding in short-term rentals that you saw on the sidelines, or did you just start to come to that conclusion based on your what you like and what you don't like in the real estate game? I think it was more of that, Sean, because in in my original you know mentorship for real estate, they taught us all the strategies, yeah. short-term rentals included, right? But it was, and I'll be honest with you, it was easier to get into the game through wholesaling, flipping, yeah. and long-term rentals, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where I, I hunkered down, um, made made quite a bit of mistakes, right? You know, whether that was location or choosing the right power team, you know, to have behind yeah. you. Also met a lot of great people, right? You know, yeah. but um, I think it was through the doing, through taking action, I figured out really what was the best strategy that suited my needs. Love it. Love it. And so, and how long ago was that? When, when did we, when did we start to dive in to say, we kind of, we kind of like this short-term rental game. We're going to, we're going to start to dive in all in on that and start to run down that road. I would say that was about six months ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so six months ago, we, you know, not, not too, not too long after I, we made the trip to, to Vegas then and had a little paintball fight, right? It was, right. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That was, that was right. That we we came to your backyard and we we started shooting paintballs at each other with one of our meetups. That was fun. that was a that was a fun time. So that was that was right at the beginning of your journey. 
It really was, you know, and it was like when, when I decided to not decided to come and join you guys, you know, for the, the mastermind, but I was like, all, the stars are aligning, right? Yeah. I, I probably was juggling about five projects at that time. And I kept using those projects as an excuse not to move forward with short-term rentals, right? <clears throat> what if these projects don't go as planned, right? What yeah. if I have to dip into the nest egg to support these projects more than I anticipated, right? That there were all these quote excuses. And then it was like, you guys were coming out to Vegas. I, I was having that itch. I knew that short-term rentals was where I wanted to go. So, yeah. you know, after joining you guys at the mastermind, I was like, it, I'm done with these excuses. Like there's no reason that I can't move forward today. And the truth of the matter, Sean, is guess what? Projects did not go as planned, right? I did have to dig into the nest egg to support those yeah. projects, but I found a way, right? Yeah. I found a way to continue pursuing my dream, which was to really pivot and lean into short-term rentals. And that's what I tell people is like, Look, you can have a lot of excuses and, and they're just that they're excuses. If you're yeah. committed to an outcome, you will figure out a way to get there. And I, I was I was on the fast train, right? Probably June, July of, of last year. And I said, it, I'm done with this. I'm done with giving myself excuses. It's time to go. Yeah, I love it. And I love the, the, it that last two minutes of you talking, if people go rewind it, those are the things that, that keep me fired up about doing what we do is just working with people like you, right? To say, hey, listen, because here's, here's the reality. One, we all give ourselves excuses at times in our lives. There are all times that every single one of us, doesn't matter how productive and how much of a go-getter you think you are, are, are in your own life, there are times where we just let ourselves justify sitting and doing nothing, right? And there are times where we say, hey, it's going to be a pretty tough road or what if this happens or I don't want to do this. And you were kind of in that, you, you know, at that crossroads and most people test don't don't make it past that, frankly, uh, sadly, I, I, it, it saddens me that most people won't just do exactly what you did and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm going to run down this road. I'm going to figure out what I did back here and like you said, it didn't maybe work out the way that you were hoping it would have worked out. You had to, you had to get resourceful. You had to figure it out, but guess what? Like you said, you did it right. right. And when you do hard things, all of a sudden the next hard thing that pops up, you're like, ah, that's, that's not as big of a deal. And then the next thing, all of a sudden we start to become, we start to build this habit of being able to go through hard times and go through hard things and roll up our sleeves and put in the work. And before you know it, you look back and you don't realize, holy crap, look how far I came. Look, look what I've done in this six months, right? Look what position I put myself in by making that decision six months ago to say, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this keep me on the sideline. And, and I love, love, love listening and hearing stories like that because it's, you know, it happens all day, every day, but it's, it's, the majority or the minority rather than the majority of the time, a lot of people will let those things just keep them on the sideline. I love when we talk about, Hey, things weren't perfect. And so let's talk a little bit about that. What did you have to do when you started? Because sometimes, like you said, I, you made the decision to start moving forward. And then when things don't, don't go as planned on the other, on the other investments or whatever, a lot of times that's another point that we have to make a decision of continuing to move forward. Right. Sometimes that's the, another time where you're like, I have to dip into my savings. Maybe I won't buy this short term rental. Maybe I'm going to hold off on an acquisition. Right. You have to make tough decisions along the way. And so I'd love to talk through that because especially when it wasn't easy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to share. 
So, you know, I had, I think I had two flips going on at that time and I had two other renovation projects, right? Which were planned rentals, but one of the flips didn't pan out as a flip, right? It's still sitting on the market and I'm currently today working on the refinance, getting a, getting a tenant in. Right. And when you're anticipating, let's say $40,000 coming in through the door, right. And that, you know, not there, right now the, the equities in the property, right. It's just not in my bank account. Right. And it's like, I was not counting on that money, but it, it would have been nice to have that money in reserves to say, put against an additional short-term rental acquisition, you know, Um, you know, other examples would be rental properties, you know, especially during this time period, um, anticipating a certain value to come in from the appraiser. Right. And that value maybe not coming in. Right. So loan to value being cut, right. By various lenders due to the the terms and the nature of the economy. Right. Things that are really out of my control. And yep. so, yeah, I did have to come out of pocket more than I anticipated for right. a few of these projects, right, to to close them. And it, the, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I wasn't going to let those, those that the, they're not even issues, but those realities hold yeah. me back from continuing forward. And, and I talk to a lot of people that, you know, the objection is always, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have the money, right? I don't have the finances saved. I, and, and I, I hate to just like call bullshit and excuse my yeah. name, but it's like, you guys, where there is a will, there is a way. And I, yeah. I found the way, right? And the way that I decided to move forward, I had a few options, right? But I decided to find the right equity partner in my first project. And that is how I committed to that path, right? To yeah. be through my short-term rental Uh, journey. There is one thing that can make or break your success with short-term rentals, and that's your ability to provide your guests with an amazing night's rest. Personally, I have these custom mattresses in every one of my short-term rentals. We love them so much that we even got them in our own personal homes here in Utah. So visit VodiceySleepSystem.com and use the promo code PODCAST. It's all caps at checkout to get 55% off. The start of it, at least, right? Um, And so that's what I really started working on was you know, it it boils down to everything that we teach, right? You know, finding the right market, I found the right property. And once I had those things, I I started talking to people and seeing who was interested in this opportunity. And then understanding who is the right partner for me, because that is so critical. I mean, you and I have talked about that a little bit as well. Right. And it's like, you you just don't throw the doors open and welcome anyone in, right? You got to find the right person to work with long-term on these things. And I I had a very, you know, diligent process that I followed in in order to find that person. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is huge. Right. And I love that you call it out just to say, Hey, listen, you, cause you know, we hear all the time, you're part of our strategy team now where you jump on the front end and talk to people that are thinking about getting into this game. And you hear all the time, well, I've got this going on or this going on. And you almost just, you know, try not to roll your eyes in the back of your head. Like, come on, that's like, that's nothing. Like, let me tell you what I did. Right. And <laughs> we don't do that. We just, you know, we don't want to be the one upper, but at the same right. time, we have to be resourceful at times. And, and that's exactly what you did. Those of you that aren't under, don't understand how big of a deal, a refinance not coming in at the end of a, of a burr type of a, 
strategy that does that. What that means is you buy a property, you renovate it, and then you're going to refinance it to pull some of that capital back out. And then you're going to either sell it or rent it again, right? Or, you know, rent it, but it's going to have new financing because you usually get really short-term financing on the front end, right? And you've got a number, a lot of capital in, high interest rate, short-term loan. So you have to hit that refinance number at the end. And so when that doesn't come in, all of a sudden you have a lot more capital invested in this than you're in that was planning on, than you were planning on leaving into a deal. And so those are, those are real issues that you have to deal with as an investor. And like you say, when somebody says, ah, I don't really, I don't know if I have this or I don't have the time, right? I said, I heard somebody say, you know, not having the time is like the, the adult equivalent to the dog ate my homework. It's, it's just <laughs> the craziest excuse, yeah. right? It's, it doesn't, which I like that. Yeah. It's just, that's not true, right? You, you do have the time if it's a priority. And frankly, most of the time when you think you can't move forward because you don't have the money or anything else, if you're more, a little bit more resourceful, you'll figure out a way to do it just like you had to do. And then moving into the partnership, right? That's a whole another conversation that a lot of people ask about. And, and you, hit the nail right on the head when you said you've got to be really, really selective of the right partner or the right partner can be, uh, it, it can be beautiful. Like it's a, it, it's worth its weight in gold. It's just, it can be a really great experience. The wrong partner can be the exact opposite of that, right? You're, it's something, it's like a nightmare and it's not just somebody that's willing to invest with you, right? you you have to figure out, okay, what does everybody bring? What is their capacity? What is my capacity? How are we going to merge this together to be a very symbiotic relationship? And just because somebody has the money and wants to write a check doesn't mean they're going to be a great partner. Right. Because right. you had you had mo- more than one person. I know that when we talked originally about this, you had a number of people that you were considering that wanted to invest with you. Right. Yep. Right. Did. And you and so how did you let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that, because we'll just we'll just kind of keep rolling down the timeline of the of that acquisition and making offers. Because you once you identified a market location, properties and people are getting more serious about it. What were the things that were important for you in a partner? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, I, I wanted someone who, and, and this was actually, I, I learned, I will say, Sean, I did learn as I went on this first yeah. one exactly what I was looking for because I, I have two other partners in other transactions. Yeah. One is a rental and one is more of a flipping business. Um, but when it came to a long-term relationship, I was like, hmm, what am I really looking for? Yeah. And, you know, I think when I started speaking to a lot of people, a lot of the times there felt like there was a lot of pressure to hit a number, to hit a target, right? A return on investment. And look, I have experience in real estate investing, but I was very aware that this was my first short-term rental, right? And so I did not want to over-promise and under-deliver. So it was important to me that there was another element than just the financial gain that my partner like had, right? There there was more to it than just making money. And when I spoke to this woman, you know, there, there was, there was an emotional component to it. Okay. I I don't know if you can see for those of you who can, I'm wearing a Notre Dame sweatshirt (laughs) and that's where our rental is in South Bend, Indiana. And she had gotten into Notre Dame. She had been accepted, but she couldn't go for one reason or another. She couldn't go. Right. And so there was something, there was that emotional connection. She's like, I would love to have a property 
in Notre Dame, right? And to be able to visit it and, you know, take her friends there. And of course, during the right time period, Sean, right? We understand that you don't go visiting when, you know, they're playing USC. Not during football season. Yeah, we're we're not going on. (laughs) We're not going on game day weekends. Right, right. But there was this, you know, relation. There was this nice balance of, you know what? I want to learn how to do this, you know, alongside you, Tess. You're the lead. You're the one who's going to be making the decisions when it comes to design and management and all those important pieces, right? She came to the table as my capital partner. And she's like, I would like to learn alongside you knowing that you're the lead, right? You're, yeah. you're making all the decisions. Um, but there was also that emotional element of, Tess, I, I don't need you to give me like an, an 8% return on this investment. She's like, I'm happy to have a property with you in Notre Dame, right? And and that yeah. is what felt comfortable to me as opposed to the pressure of having to give a preferred return, right? And if I yeah. didn't hit that preferred return, what did that mean for me? What did that mean for them in the future? And that got stressful thinking about not hitting yeah. a number for an investor. So when I found someone where there was a, another element to the investment, that is what I, I felt most comfortable moving forward with. That's awesome. And I love how you said you kind of had to learn what was important to you along the way when you start talking to people, right? And what what felt good, what felt pressure, like where was I uncomfortable? Like it was, and you you realized like, you know, you navigated, okay, what is comfortable for me? What isn't comfortable? And on that first one, I, in most partners that are just capital partners, like nine out of 10 of them are going to say, Hey, what is the return? How are we chasing it? What are we doing? What is, what's my pref on this? And what does, you know, how does it look like? It's just all numbers. Right. And then you keep having those conversations, you keep having the conversations and you meet somebody that's like, Hey, listen, I want it. I'm kind of interested in this asset class. It'd be really fun to own this type of a property. They, they, they wrap and get emotional about the the actual ownership of the area you're buying into and what's going on. And you're like, okay, this is a little different conversation and it stands out like a sore thumb, right? You're like, okay, this, this conversation seems so much better and felt better to you than these just strictly, I'm just chasing numbers type of investors or capital partners. And ultimately you put it together, but you did the reason you were able to do that. My guess is this wasn't the first conversation you had. I'm guessing you had multiple conversation before this one surfaced. Correct. Yeah. Well, I will say she was actually the first person that I spoke to. However, I did have several conversations with people um, who were interested in this opportunity. And I had a lot of great conversations, Sean, yeah. but at the end of yeah. the day, it was like that one stood out. Right. And yeah. I had a few with, with this partner in particular and some other people. Right. But this one, you know, just kept rising to the top in terms of what I felt comfortable with the, the, not the reasoning behind it, but kind of what, what our premises were, right. What we were trying to accomplish together, you know, she was also looking to build a short-term rental portfolio and she was thirsty to see, you know, what, what is she doing? Right. What's her plan? How is she going to do this? Um, And it's been so fun to have her along in this journey, right. As we, you know, do the Vodacy model. She's like, I never thought we would be looking at large format art and picking out pictures on, you know, uh, I stock and just the creative yeah. element has been so much fun. Cause you know, right. I'm of course I'm working with Mike and, uh, we yeah. have a lot of fun, you know, in the design process phase. That's awesome. So that was when, when, so we identified South Bend, did you identify the property before you, before you partnered with her as well? Or did you just identify, here's what we're going to go do. And then we went and identified properties to buy. 
I had identified the property. Okay. Yeah. That's so you, you knew you, she, you, you could show her the deal, the tangible here's, here's what we're doing. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's how I did yeah. it for this particular property. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and honestly, that's probably when you're when you're in the beginning and you're bringing on an investor and you haven't had the experience and, and especially the first time somebody's going to invest with you, typically you do have to have the whole deal put together. Right. You do have to kind of have the deal. And then you're under the gun to try to find it. But you 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 knew you had these conversations to to have. Right. You had a number of people you could have these conversations with. And so it is easier when you're trying to bring partners on to actually have the full deal, right? Because otherwise you really don't know a yes or a no because everybody's going to say, oh yeah, I'd be interested. Show me when you have the deal, right? Yeah, it is, it, exactly. If you go too early. Exactly. And I will say you did hit it on the head there where it's stressful. It's stressful when you have like found the yeah. property, you have committed to a closed date, right? There yeah. is a tight due diligence period. And, uh, but again, Sean, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I knew I was going to find the right partner. And if I didn't find the right partner, I knew it wasn't the right fit for me. You know, right. I, I have a very strong feeling about that. You know, things yeah. come when they're supposed to come. Um, Love it. But that's awesome. Yeah. And and so just unpacking this for those of that are listening and following and just, you know, this is pretty this is a pretty amazing journey to this stage where we're saying, OK, listen, we decided we're going to get into this game six months ago, roughly. Or, and we're going to say, OK, we're committed to short term rentals. I've still got these other deals going on. And all of a sudden we start running down the road and the other deals aren't panning out the way we we're hoping they were going to pan out, which means your a lot of your capital is still tied up into some of these deals. So you can't deploy it into the short term rental game instead of giving up and saying, I'm waiting. You're saying, OK, I'm just going to go continue down this road. And now I'm going to have to bring on a partner and figure this out along the way. And so so I, for those of you listening, if you're giving yourself excuses, look in the mirror and say, is that what Tess would do? Because I doubt that she would sit there. <laughs> so we'll start to ask, what would Tess do? You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear that that wristband. <laughs> so because we don't stop, right? And so, and and that's why I love how resourceful you were in this journey and this process. And so that was we're recording this end of January, right? That was we went under contract when uh, we went under contract. I want to say in November, okay. closed in December. Now we're in the, you know, design and setup phase. I'm headed out there next weekend, uh, yeah. both my business partner and I. We're going to go, uh, you know, our plan there is we're going to come prepared to the house and yeah. have all the links, you know, ready to fire, essentially, for, for the ordering. Uh, make nice. sure everything's measured out correctly. Um, and, and then we'll start the – she is flexible enough um, that she can work not from anywhere, but she has the flexibility to live in the house for a few weeks. And so she'll probably receive in a lot of the furniture um, and right. help us kind of build out from there. And I'll, I'll fly out and be a touch point, um, you know, as frequently as I can. But, yeah. you know, with the husband and two kids, I got to. Yeah, they're, they're going to miss you if you're gone too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to play yeah. that one right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's so. So right in the middle of the setup phase right now. I mean, that's one of the I always tell people the acquisition phase is a tough phase. It's short lived. The setup phase is the toughest phase, I believe. And, and to, to dial it in, do it correctly because we're trying to do it fast because we want to launch as soon as possible. So it's a lot going on in a short period of time, logistically trying to get everything 
picked out, ordered, set up, but also even, even in the, you know, when you're under contract, I'm sure that you guys were having conversations about who's our target audience. How are we going to design this? What are we going to set it up like? So share a little bit about that. Cause we're huge on kind of identifying a target audience and creating a great unique experience. I mean, I, I kind of have an idea what that experience is, but let's, uh, let's <laughs> let, tell, share, share with me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. And y- you know, I-, I was speaking to my realtor about it when we were standing in the house, I was talking about my vision a little bit and she paused me and she goes, Tess, please don't like go too far away from the Notre Dame theme or you are shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And I'm like, don't, (laughs) don't worry, Christina, I'm keeping the Notre Dame theme. Right. Uh And just to bring you up to be a little bit, Sean, I bought a turnkey short-term rental. Right. right? So I I would call it, I don't want to call it maybe an underperformer, right? But in our terminology, right? It was doing okay. Um, But I saw a lot of potential there. So, um, you know, obviously I'm going to really lean in to the Notre Dame theme. And I'll I'll reveal our, we believe we're pretty set on uh, the Golden Dome getaway. So leaning into, you know, the Golden Dome. Obviously, if you know Notre Dame, you know that that's, you know, an iconic landmark there. Um, But Golden Dome also leaning into the golden helmets of all sports, right? So football, ice hockey, lacrosse. Um, I am a, uh, I guess what, uh, alumni um, collegiate athlete, right? Uh So college athletics is near and dear to my heart. So I wanted to like, pay homage right to college athletes and and not just lean in on football right i'm a a diver and who knows anyone who well everyone seems to know a diver but my point is is it's a small sport right sure and i kind of wanted to like give some credit to some of the other great sports that notre dame has um through theming out the different bedrooms um to these sports, but leaning into the golden dome idea with the helmets and it's going to be super cool. We're really excited about it. That's fun. That is, that's really fun. And so, and I love the idea of not just not, I mean, not that you can't, you know, have a great property center just around football, obviously the major sports, but I love the idea of wrapping like just all of the college sports in because one, when you do that, like, right. When there's a, when there's a track meet or there's something, uh, you know, somebody's going to do a diving meet or a swim meet and those are different times of the year than football. And so you can, you start to become known. And all of a sudden when, when parents and friends and family are coming in to watch those athletes perform, then they've got they're they're going to be drawn to a property that kind of like you said pays homage to other sports outside of that and so yet the major football season and game days and everything it's still super attractive and so it, that's a that's going to be a lot of fun I can't wait to see it and I I, I love that you said where you bought a, a turnkey rental right we see this all the time right we look at properties all the time we're like okay I can. I see the potential there. This is actually a really nice property. It's set up really nice. It's got a lot of the, the case goods that I need. The furnishings, fairly congruent design theme. And then all of a sudden I can come in and accessorize it and really theme it, like give it the give it the spin that we're trying to do, tell the story that we're trying to tell, like you're saying, I'm gonna, you were gonna tell the Golden Dome story and bring it to life and breathe some life into it. And all of a sudden it's a whole different property. Uh, yet you're not having to furnish the whole thing from scratch. Right, yeah. Which is which is a lot of fun, right? And so in so I'm, I love that you shared that. So the target audience is still people, you know, family, friends, fans coming in to Notre Dame, South Bend to you know enjoy and, and really immerse into college athletics. Yes, you nailed it. 
So yeah. I, I know how many parents and friends and families came in, right, to support uh, our team, right, when, yes. when we had our events. So I, I know that, you know, there's there's so much traffic coming to Notre Dame. And it, it's For not sure. just football, right? It's not yes. just graduation and parents moving kids in and off campus. Right. Um, in that collegiate athlete world, I mean, parents are traveling all the time to support yep. their kids. Um, and so I, I saw a niche there, right? And I really wanted yeah. to hone in on that. I love it. And and then, you know, and there's obviously things on the marketing side that you can do to get in, in front of some of these other programs and coaches because they, they want to know what's out there and available, right? Because they're gonna tell the they're gonna tell the, the kids and the parents that, hey, go check out this property if it's if it's available, it's a really fun one to stay at. Because you know, so there's a lot of things I love. Like I've been talking on a number of podcasts, some of my top picks market picks and i think it's probably why you started looking in in south bend was we like some of these we like some of these college towns uh, like a lot right now because like you said it's not just football season or graduation or parents coming in when when schools are st starting or getting out to get move, kids moved in or out it's not it's all year long and there's things going on all the time and like you said you know how many friends and family and parents are always traveling to go see those kids and um and a lot of these areas they're not major metropolitan areas with a whole bunch of you know hotels it's not vegas right. let's say right, right. you know right. We're not, you're not you know yeah so yeah exactly and so so we're right in the middle of setup um excited for you to get that wrapped up i know that the setup is a stressful but the, but the more organized you are with setup you know and you, you can lean into it have some fun with it it really it really is a it's a stressful time, a short lived time, but it does 95% of the heavy lifting. Once you launch long-term marketing wise, you got three to five year run before you probably have to even upgrade or updo and do anything right. And right. outside of, and it does most of the lifting, heavy lifting on the marketing side. So you're, you're going to, what is our launch date? What are we trying to do? And what are we trying to hit launch date wise? I would say we're aiming for early March at this point. I think once we're there next weekend and we understand really what the delivery schedule will look like we're, for some of our larger case goods, the artwork, uh, once that's ordered, that will determine yeah. it. But if we can like get off the ground in early March, we would like to because we understand the, the high season as really starting June, July, and then it just ramps up from there. So yes. if we can get a few months under our belt, right, you know, up on the big OTA sites and really hone in and, you know, I would say refine our marketing and all, all the little things that matter, yeah. right, in the beginning, uh, we'll be ready to go and welcome in uh, the, the high season. That's awesome. I can't wait to, I can't wait to see the launch. Can't wait to see the property of the finished product. Now you said you bought a, a, a turnkey property that was already operational as a short-term rental when they were selling it, did they close it off or did you have them close it off? I'm assuming if you guys are going there and your partner's going to stay that the property is not an act, is it active right now? Or are you, are you still accepting guests as is, or you, did you guys take the road of, Hey, we're going to close on it. We're going to shut it down until we relaunch. I, I made the decision to shut it down. Yeah. So because we are launching such a unique, different <clears throat> experience, I didn't want there to be mixed, mixed messaging, right? Like yeah. this is what we are, right? And we're just kind yeah. of picking up where the old owners left off and we're trying to make a little bit of money while we do this. Yeah. You know, I did not want to send that message. To me, right. this is a completely new experience. So it was important to me that we 
we shut it down, right? I, I committed to knowing that there's going to be three to four months where, you know, income is zero, right? Yeah. And and that was okay with me because um, I think it will do us wonders long term. Yep, I agree. It's it's what it's the way that we do our properties when we buy them and launch them. Um, and when we're going to do a relaunch, we're we're making sure we're shutting them down, and and it's going to come out exactly how we want it because to your point every single time we buy a property we want to create this new experience it's very seldom that we buy properties that are ex exactly in fact i haven't ever bought one that was like that now there's some awesome properties if we bought one of our odyssey member properties we might we might leave it as is and just uh, just roll with it but sure. most of the time we're we're creating this completely different experience and we just want to start from scratch yeah, that's awesome. So, just so so that's where we're at right now. That's the that's where we're at right now. So, what does like does like or do we have plans for a, whole, a huge portfolio? Are we going to try to buy one a year? Like, what is the trajectory for moving forward after this property? Yeah, so I would like to buy at least two properties a year would be ideal okay. for me. Um, my husband's already pimping me out to, you know, some of his buddies and yeah. you know, talking like, Oh, let's go to green Bay. Let's go to college station. Right. And <laughs> like every day I walk into the kitchen and he's like, have you seen this property? I'm like, Whoa, like slow down, babe. Yeah, <laughs> well, one awesome. property at a time. But yeah, once we get this one launched, um, I would seriously like to start looking at acquisition number two. So I would Love. hope to buy that property sometime in either fall or winter of this year, and then really yeah. rinse and repeat that for the next three years. So yeah. at least one, if not two properties per year. Um, my focus at this point is, I don't wanna just say college towns, Sean, but I'm more of an investment buyer at this yeah. point. So I yeah. do want to like where I'm investing. I want to visit there, you know, once, twice a year, but I am not at a point where I'm like, I have to have that cabin. I yeah. really, really want that cabin, Sean, right? Yeah. I want yeah. all Idaho, right? Yeah. I, I want to go to not Vail, Colorado, because that just wouldn't make sense, but somewhere around Vail, you know, yeah. like that's the dream. And I know that I will be able to get there once I have a solid foundation of in investment rentals, right? That will help me get there. Right. So that's, that's kind of the yep. plan. Two year. Love it. Love it. Fun. Yep. And I, I want to just, you know, I know that we're, we're running, you know, toward the end of the episode, but I want to, I want to really kind of put a exclamation point on that topic is because so many people say they hear me talk about, Hey, these are lifestyle assets, buying in, buying areas that you're interested in, that you'd want to own a vacation home. And, and then we, we you know, we have these conversations of saying, Hey, listen, I'm strictly a lot. I'm strictly more of an investment buyer. Like you, like you mentioned, when we go through in the very beginning and planning this out, we, we try to identify, are we in strictly investment buyers? Are we lifestyle buyers? Are we retirement buyers? Like what, what is our property goals so we can identify them? But even for the investment buyer, I always say still buy in areas that you would enjoy buying. Like that, because when you set them up, right, you, you love college sports, right? You love college athletes and that game. So you're saying, okay, I like the college towns because I feel like I can go set up this great experience in all of these different areas. You could literally rinse and repeat the same thing you're doing in South Bend in all of those other areas that you mentioned because the target audience is similar. Right. And the, the process is going to be similar, but you understand that world because you came from that world. 
right? I always, I love outdoor type areas. I love national parks and state parks. So a lot of my properties are outside of those areas because, because that's what I enjoy doing. Not necessarily because I may or may not use those properties very often at this stage. We, we try to use all of our properties, but you get, you know, you get to the point and you've got the, you, you know, you've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old you're, you know, sometimes we're just not traveling as much as we, we were hoping we could do. Right. And so, so, but there's still properties that you get excited about. Yeah. You know, there's still properties that you're interested in setting the experience up because you understand that experience and you can rinse and repeat that as an investor buyer, but still create this amazing experience that doesn't fall flat when you're talking to a target audience that you wouldn't maybe sometimes if you don't understand the target audience, it falls flat if you're trying to set an experience up for somebody you don't understand. And so you're still a part of your target audience, right? And and you understand them, even though it's not the cabin, it's not the lake house in McCall or the, the ski house up in the mountains in Colorado, right? But that building a solid portfolio is going to get you closer to those types of lifestyle assets that maybe are a little bit more on the lifestyle side and you know expensive areas that maybe don't cash flow as well but they're they're going to be you're going to be have the ability to buy those because of this portfolio you're building so i love it and i love talking about that because so many people ask that question of well i might not use it you know and and this is a great conversation an example of yeah you might not use them that often but you still understand that target audience, you still understand that experience that you're putting together. And so I, I like that you brought that up and we could, we could kind of put an exclamation on that point that you were making there because it's an important question that a lot of people have. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I talk to a lot of people who are, I don't want to call them closed minded, but they're dead set on the lifestyle asset. Right. And look, yeah. I, I was too, when I first started thinking about short-term rentals, right. I wanted to be yeah. in the West coast, right. In the mountain towns. Yeah. And when I, started looking, I was like, you know what, Expensive. maybe it doesn't fit, you know, where I'm at today. It will. I firmly yeah. believe that it will. Yeah. So I found another path that still like filled my cup, right? I am a part of the demographic. I am a part of that ideal guest. It brings me a lot of joy. So yeah. it's like, I, I figured out the right path, you know, through, you know, all, all of the, the coaching, right. That I've been through with you guys. Right. It's like you can find your path and it's not always what you exactly thought it was when you walked into this game. And it's not going to be the same as somebody else's. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what, that's what I love about any sort of investment. Like when, when we're running down a road, like we could follow the same plan, the same blueprint, everything else, mm -hmm. but our portfolios in this game can look completely different. And it's one of the things I love about the short-term rental game as well, because it's going to, it, it based on the property goals and what the outcome we're chasing, we can set that portfolio up to reach those goals. And it might be a little bit different than somebody else's portfolio because they're in a different spot and they're looking for different things. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Awesome, Tess. Listen, we're going to wrap it up today. At the end of every episode, though, I always give you guys a chance to say, you know, if you could go back and say, you know, we made some, you know, you already kind of said I wouldn't change anything. But if you could go back, if you could learn some of those lessons, if you could tell your younger self, here's what I would do to accelerate the process. Here's what I would do maybe a little bit different. Here's something I might pay attention to or just some advice that you could give your younger self. Because a lot of times we're, you know, we have people listening that, you know, you're a few steps ahead of in the game. And you, it's nice to hear from somebody that's been down the road maybe a little bit further than, than we have. What, do you have anything that comes to mind on that? Oh, that was a question. Sorry. Here's, here's where I was like, thought you were wrapping up. But, um, you know, 
in terms of like, just don't, don't let the fear hold you back. Right. right. You know, there, there's going to be a lot that happens along the journey. Um, you know, and one thing that even we talk about Sean is you got to have a firm understanding of your why, right? Yeah. Because excuse my language, but shit will happen. Right. Yeah. And it, the journey's going to be hard. There's going to be bumps along the road. And when those things happen, if you don't have a firm grounding, right. And understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, um, it, it'll be hard to move forward and it's easy to get off the path. Right. But right. when you understand, you know, really why it is what you're doing, what you're doing, it's simple, right. You just yeah. put the next step forward and you keep on going. Right. Yeah. Um, so th- th- that's my advice. Know why you're doing what you're doing. The, the right. deeper, have the deeper understanding of it um, because all of this is hard, right? If it wasn't hard, Sean, everyone would be doing it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. But it, I will tell you, it makes it a lot easier when, when you've got a model to follow, but you know, you, there's going to be hip, hiccups in the process. Yes. So, you know, have that deeper understanding of why you're doing what you're doing um, so that when, when the, when the tough, when it gets tough, right, you, you keep going. Yeah. And it, because if, if you don't, the tendency is just to hold up the white flag, right? If you don't have a reason to keep going, why would you keep going? Right. You have to have that deeper understanding, the why, like you said, and, and a reason to keep marching forward, because as much as social media makes it sound like everything's really easy to make money. I don't know. Maybe these guys had an easier path than I did. It wasn't, it's a hard <laughs> road. Right. And, and, but, uh, you know, it wasn't always, you know, Lamborghinis and hundred dollar bills getting thrown around in, in private jets. Right. And, uh, and, and, but when we watch on social media, we think, well, shit, what's wrong with me? You know, I, I'm, I, I tried this and it was hard and I had these problems and maybe I'm doing it wrong because when I look on social media, it looks really, really easy. Right. And that's not the case. And that's one of the things why I love having these types of conversations is because, we, when when you do have a, an understanding of why you want to do it, one, you're going to battle through the actual hard times. And then you actually do come into the $100 bills, you know, passing around and the Lamborghinis and that stuff. But that's down the line. Right. And it wasn't yeah. none of that stuff comes without some hard times ahead of it. Yeah, because you're going to have to battle through the challenges, no matter how well laid out plan you're following and what you're doing. And the nice thing about what I love about Vodacy and our family is you know, there's other people that have gone through similar, similar things. And sometimes when you're running around a corner and a dragon jumps out, if it's the first time we've ever seen a dragon, we're really scared. But when somebody else is biased, it's like, Oh, I I saw that dragon last week. I know how to kill it. Right. (laughs) Right. And and that's, what's nice. It doesn't mean the dragon's not there. It just means that there, there might be somebody to help you that that saw that before you and knows how to get past it. Absolutely. And so it's, uh, but you're never going to, if, if a dragon jumps out and you're like, Hey, I'm walking up this for somebody else. And I, I don't know why I'm wa- running up this hill. The minute you get tired or there's a roadblock, you're like, I'm going to go back down. This isn't worth it. Right. And so right. I, I love that piece of advice. And so Tess, we're going to wrap it up. This is a, these, I love these conversations. I, I could, I could talk all day long about this stuff. I'm excited to see the, the Notre Dame property come to life and launch here really yeah. shortly. All, those of you that are listening, we always post the property links in the show notes. And so if this, if this publishes before the property's launched, we always update it. So if it's after the first or middle of March, go double check Tess's property out. And uh, if you're going to be in South Bend anytime, 
sometime soon. Go go check it out for one of the uh, the events they've got going on, and you'll have a lot of fun at the Golden Dome, right? And so it'll be a, it'll be a fun property to see you launch, and then I'm I'm excited to see what you do moving forward this year as we add one or two more properties. And so, guys, we're gonna wrap it up. We always appreciate you spending your time with us. I know how valuable your time is, and it always means a lot that you spend it with us. And so at the end of every episode, I always ask you two favors. The first one is if you got any value out of this, if you enjoyed the show, like it, share it, leave us a review. Those things really do help us and uh, help us grow the show, spread the message to other people that are interested in walking into the short-term rental game with their eyes wide open. They can listen to great conversations like, and be, you know, listen to journeys like Tess shared today, because those things are, those things make a difference when we're running down any road the first time. And then the final thing that I always ask you, and I feel like is the most important thing, is to go pick that one thing you can do today, start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.